0: Trumpet Dynamics is published by the GSD Network. To learn more about the show and how you can support the show, visit trumpetdynamics.live/show. trumpetdynamics.live/show. It's the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. young old professional amateur you never miss a day of practice or perhaps you're coming back to rediscover the joy you once knew playing your horn for those who love and are fascinated with this crazy mass of metal tubing that no one can seem to master or is at least wise enough to not admit it if they have this show covers all of the trumpet dynamics Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Trumpet Dynamics. I am James Newcomb. I am your host. And what an honor it is to bring onto the show Mr. Flores onstevader Flores is second time on this podcast. I had the privilege of speaking to him, I guess it was about a year ago, and we just talked a little bit about himself. He introduced us to the show and those who listen to the show, and I got to hear a little bit about how trumpet soloist, if you really put your mind to it, can actually be a legitimate career. There seems to be some confusion as to whether or not trumpet soloist is a legitimate career. Legit trumpet soloists will say that trumpet soloist is an oxymoron. Well, Floris has something to say about that, because that's how he makes his living, is being a trumpet soloist. And <laughs> Well, some challenges have arisen since we last spoke, obviously, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But for now, Floris, welcome back, man.
1: Thank you so much, James. It's lovely to hear you and to hear you doing what you do best, and uh, it's fantastic that you are here for all of us musicians and interested in the art. Thank you.
0: Yes, now we have to we have to get your name correct because we have the Americans' pitiful attempt at pronouncing your name. But can we just, for the record, can we get the the actual correct pronunciation of your last name?
1: Yeah, sure. I think you are doing a lovely job. Okay. Uh, I should maybe consider an artist's name because I know it's a tricky one. <laughs> uh, but it is Floris Onstvader. You are doing just fine. Onstvader. Yes, it's All a. Right. A little uh, town in, in the
0: Netherlands, Onstrede. So that's ah, where Okay, from. so it's named after a town. Yep. Okay, and you are from the Netherlands. Yeah, correct. Because I follow you on social media and you're performing. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot in Switzerland.
1: Yeah, true. I have my there as well. I studied there my master degree with the uh, wonderful Fritz Damro. And I stayed afterwards. I'm working a lot there. I'm playing a lot. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on in the music business there, so... I decided to stay, to move to a new place, and um, like that, I divide my time between Switzerland and the Netherlands.
0: Do you live in Ostwetter, Netherlands?
1: No, not at all. The other side of the country. It's in the north. We live south.
0: What, what town in the Nether- Netherlands do you live?
1: Eindhoven. This is where Eindhoven. the world-famous brand Philips was founded and comes from.
0: So if you were to choose an artist's name that that is more pr- pronunciation-friendly for like us Americans, what would you choose? <laughs>
1: I didn't prepare this, and I didn't want to say anything about this. We'll leave that in the middle. But you'll hear from it when it's there.
0: All right. What do they call people who live in the Netherlander? Do they call them Netherlanders? or What's the actual?
1: Yeah, in Dutch, it's it's something like that, yeah. a Netherlander. Oh, okay. It's uh, the free translation in English, yeah. Okay. But how, how would you say it, a Dutchy?
0: Dutchy Floris will get us his artist's name. I think it's going to come to you while we speak. I'm, I'm, I feel it, <laughs> that it's going to come to you inspiration. Well, Floris, one thing that really stuck out to me and really impressed me about you is after the coronavirus became a thing, probably February, March, I guess, depending on where you live in the world, it kind of dep- depends on the time frame in which it affected your life so drastically. But you were the, among the first that I'm aware of that actually got back on the horse, so to speak, as far as performing. You put on a live stream Facebook concert, I believe in May, if I remember correctly. But Mm -hmm. it just, it really impressed me that you just had this attitude of, I I guess, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it was, this is what I do, this is what I was put on the earth to do, is to make people happy with my trumpet playing, and this is what I'm going to do. So take us into this time frame. It, It had to have obviously been very, very uh, disrupting to your life and to your performance schedule, but what prompted you to say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to use the means available to perform
1: yeah, it's been a very um, very remarkable time for all of us. And as, as you know, that the the artistic branch, let's say, we, we live and we, we own the audience and we cannot live without it. So when the event business collapsed, so to say, we were basically without jobs and without opportunities to perform, and that cut out a lot of possibilities but I at the same time also smelled some opportunities uh, because nobody was performing, the concert halls were empty a lot of people were at home, working from home, even losing jobs in worst cases mm-hmm. uh, which means that they have still some free time uh, to spend some more than others but they couldn't go out to, to the concerts uh, and we couldn't go out performing these concerts so there is of course uh, some, uh, some possibilities and uh, I uh, unlike some other musicians, uh, perhaps, do like very much to perform in a soloistic way. Mm. And I, I really uh, felt the opportunity to create something uh, myself and where I also would have the luxury, finally, <laughs> to choose what to do with who to play, uh, what kind of music to play, and what kind of setting to play, uh, mm. or what kind of instruments to play. So I could completely fill all of that in myself.
0: So it sounds to me like you just... In spite of this unfortunate circumstance, you discovered some new opportunities to uh, perform in ways that maybe you weren't able to before the coronavirus hit. I think that's really interesting.
1: Definitely. It's always uh, easy and necessary, and we are forced into looking looking at the impossibilities. But I do like to, in these kind of moments, to look at the possibilities. I just refused to, apart from the first uh, couple of weeks, of course, where we were all just at home probably and, I don't know, doing nothing or or practicing. I refused to do that for a much longer time and I couldn't sit still and I uh, just stood up and gathered some friends, started arranging music, started practicing some solo pieces, started contacting uh, some studios, some concert venues, some churches, some uh, sound engineers, these kind of uh, things to set up some things so we started with some live streams with uh, some 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 different groups called floors and friends we did that in different formations i played with a piano i played with organ later that uh, developed in a series of concerts we did about seven concerts also called floors and friends we did mm-hmm. with a trio and with a quartet and uh, yeah that's that's how that came to earth we, we did that definitely also uh, partially for, of course for the audience uh, to bring some music to the people because i just felt the need is always there mm. uh, especially in these times when the people are left alone without uh the the, the beauty of of music in the real uh, performance experience yeah so we did it for the audience but Also for ourselves, obviously, because this is what we do. This is what we love. There's no pleasure for us, no pleasure like making music together. So it was uh, a true treat for performer and for audience, I think. We were happy to do it all together. It was a lot of work. Also, a lot of different aspects uh, come to play, I would say. So that's the entrepreneurial thing. Uh, you have to suddenly start uh, selling tickets, make promotion, call newspapers, these kind of things to make full, uh, full halls for mm-hmm. us as much as that's a, a term I can use. Full halls, <laughs> so there comes a lot uh, into play, but uh, I did enjoy that, and I also think that uh, it's important that we orientate a little bit in this because we might need to use more of these skills uh, in the future, and um, it I also think that it becomes easier. So the first time it was yeah a lot of discovering and a lot of like how how do we do this and where do we start but the second time was easier and the third time was it's uh, something that was a nice was a very nice thing to do and then the performing the the end product there in the church for example I played here in my hometown in Eindhoven where I used to play when I was younger but it was for many years I think that I performed here with some exceptions I did some concerts in the music hall there but Usually I'm abroad or, or in Amsterdam or something. So it was very, very, very nice to, to be here in my hometown in the, in the big church in the city center where I used to perform. I played Brandenburg there actually like 12 years ago, but uh, that's just, by the way.
0: Wait a minute. Wait, 12 years ago? You're, how old are you? You're 27 now?
1: 16 or 17 something. I have the newspaper. He <laughs> played the
0: Brandenburg when you were 16. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I have to be honest with you. We did it in baroque pitch, so that's a semitone lower, and I did it just on piccolo, so that saved my day, I guess.
0: Okay, so okay, so but, just, but anyway, you were just an amateur then.
1: Ah, yeah. <laughs> so
0: you it. needed you needed all those crutches to get through it, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, true, true, true.
0: Have you ever played that on natural trumpet?
1: No, no, okay. no. I have, I haven't, and I tried uh, to practice it, but then I went back to my beautiful piccolo trumpet <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> job to do on the baroque trumpet it's really a yeah. special it's not something that you do you do just between the lines but to to, to finish quickly my, uh, my yes. story it's um it was really nice to especially to do it here in my hometown and uh, mm-hmm. to be back and i could invite all my friends and all my family and all the many uh, teachers from my high school they came and so it was really a reunion also uh, for that matter
0: Okay, so you did this. You did this in the last ten months.
1: Uh, this was in July. We did this here in, in Antovia, yeah.
0: and you were able to have actual, like actual people in the in the seats. Did they have to be six feet apart, or how did that work?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. We did. Okay. There were about 150 people in the church. There were quite many.
0: Uh-huh.
1: A Very, very big uh, Catholic church, and uh, people can come uh, and they, they sit with distance, correct? But because the church was so big, there was place for uh, that many people. And uh, on other locations, we also did the day after, for example, we did it. We played in a, a bit of a smaller chapel in another city in the Netherlands. There were, I think, 50 people. And then we performed twice or maybe even three times. Yeah, no, twice. We did twice and then uh, we, we played the program twice for 50 people.
0: This is a bit of an aside, but I, from what I can recall... You actually had—you were shut down by Facebook at one point because—and this is definitely a compliment on your playing because uh, <laughs> Facebook, the algorithms or the artificial intelligence with Facebook, thought that, that some copyright was being violated because you sounded just—was it Sergei Nakaryakov or?
1: Hardenberger.
0: Oh, okay, Hogan Hardenberger. Yeah. <laughs> and so Flores is playing this this piece of music so well that the Facebook <laughs> AI— thought that Hokan Hardenberger's uh, intellectual property was being violated because he sounded just like him.
1: Yeah, this was, this was really funny in the end. In the end, it's funny. At uh, that okay. moment, it was
0: stressful. Uh,
1: yes. we, we were about to start a live stream, and you have this, this count, uh, countdown, you know? So kind of like the, the live stream starts in 10 minutes or something. And then we played. So I played, and uh, a couple of years ago, I was doing a competition in Rome, Italy and there in the finale I had to play the Neruda trumpet concerto so mm. we thought this might be nice and a peaceful uh, very uh, major positive piece we can play this during the the countdown and yeah they recognized the uh, Håkan Hardenberg's uh, official recording recorded somewhere in America mm. in this play so we started the live stream and I got thumbs up from the from the sound guys and Mm-hmm. We started playing, and uh, we started playing Bach. And uh, after the Bach, we we're like, "Yeah, this was really cool," and uh, we were happy with our performance. And then the the the, the tone meister came in, and he said, "Like, sorry guys, but the live stream cut, and because of this reason, yeah." So we had to, but we we started it over, and luckily it was recorded the Bach. And mm. uh, later I posted this on Facebook; and people could still see it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so this wasn't the actual live stream performance. It was something that you put on as kind of buffer music, basically, kind of open for you guys.
1: Recording of the finale from this trumpet uh, trumpet competition in Rome. That's what was playing countdown, and that's what was recognized.
0: Well, I think the lesson, I think the takeaway here is uh, don't play it so well so that Facebook (laughs) doesn't mistake (laughs) you for. It was a
1: competition. What do you expect? (laughs) It was a competition. I was playing for the points there.
0: What, what, what was the general attitude because i know i I love the your attitude of you know we have this circumstance, and like life has basically thrown us a curveball, but what was the attitude among other musicians when all this came down
1: different I heard different opinions about it, so some also said kind of out of a protest against the government who did not give enough support to musicians without jobs that as a protest to that they would actually stop making music and not doing any uh, own initiatives. So there would be real silence in the in the cultural world that the people and the government uh, would feel it and then recognize the value of it and maybe change something in the support system uh, or the support measurements uh, towards those people. And I do understand that point also, but hey, I didn't feel like waiting for support from the government and uh, holding up my hand, let's say. With all respect, of course, I say that for the people uh, who think different about it, because I understand the difficult situation, but I'm mostly enthusiastic about doing things and uh, I was just like, okay, you know, all my jobs got canceled. Let's do something completely uh, different and uh, I can, uh, let's, let's set up something and let's bring something to the people instead of silence. I couldn't live with the idea of silence out of protest. Uh, You could speak out your protest or your your complaints or demands, but let's accompany that with beautiful music, I would say. That was my opinion at that time, so that's what we chose to do.
0: Yeah, you know, I interviewed recently a violinist. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's in Kansas City here in the United States, and uh, she Is taking a a bit of a different route. Like she went to, she was hired by a a local orchestra, and this is—it's obviously not um, affiliated with the government here in the U.S. It's probably a little different than Mm -hmm. in in Europe, where you don't have as much of a tie between the arts and the government. But she shows up to this thing, and the the rules and the uh, restrictions that they put on the performers were were so outrageous. To the point of being completely ridiculous, and uh, as a musician she real, she, she just couldn 't perform <laughs> they they put mm. her They put her and all the musicians in a baseball stadium with high winds. This is in the midwest of the u s so there's it 's very windy the The working conditions were just completely incompatible with making music of any kind, especially classical music and so she took a a, a bit of a different route with her protest is like, I'm not going to play. If you're going to expect me to play in these conditions, I'm not going to do it. But it doesn't mean that she's not going to play. Where I would take exception with your friends, of course, with all due respect, is you don't do what you do to please the government, or you don't do what you do so that some politician can take his pen, take his or her pen, and say, okay, now we're going to support the arts, and now the people will appreciate the arts. I think that I would take exception to that
1: yeah I would add also one thing to it like a thought I had always is something like if the government says we have economic trouble and we need to make cuts and the first thing we cut out is the the culture so the artistic things we we don't support anymore and this uh, is on the bottom of the list then there's a lot of complaints a lot of protest from the musicians like yeah that's ridiculous it should be different but I. I think a little different about it. The the thing I think at such a moment is, hey, not that there's something wrong with the government, but there's something wrong with the arts, with the the culture, with the the actual thing they're doing. If the government decides they think it's so unimportant, that it's on the bottom of the list, then maybe we should change something about what we do and not persist in uh, the value and the importance of it. Maybe we have to adjust a little and uh, try to find new ways Mm. in which we can be important instead of unimportant. Let's not rely on support and try to convince people how amazing that, 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 uh, that Beethoven concerto is. It is. And I do strongly believe in the power of classical music, but maybe we should just use it in a slightly different way and walk some new paths with it, uh, which makes it more interesting for the whole world to see. Because I said that, I think we spoke about that also in our last interview, there will be only little people who would deny the, the beauty of the, of, the, of the classical music. Only maybe the, the format is a little what the world needs. And-
0: I get that, and I, I appreciate your perspective. The thing that really stuck out to me through the, the entire world, uh, the government basically says, you are non-essential. I mean, they are they're literally putting tags on entire industries saying, you're not essential. And so you are not allowed to be open right now. I'm not trying to get anybody to agree with anything that I say, but this is reality. <laughs> the yeah. government said, you, you are not essential. I, I strongly disagree with this, but they said the arts are not essential. And so, well, all the concert halls are closed. And I definitely take exception with that because the art precedes society. There are those who think that art is kind of a byproduct. Once you get... The basics down once you once you get the basics of food and shelter and, and, and you get some of the comforts in life, then you can have the arts. But I think that all of those things that make life comfortable and make us able to live beyond that of mere survival, art has to come before that. and I think the p- priorities are a little bit skewed when it comes to whether or not we should have the arts, especially in a time such as this where. You know, we're, de- we're dealing with all of this fear. If you don't have art, how can you possibly counter all of the fear going around?
1: Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And we all feel it when it's not there anymore. So in that matter, it's also uh, maybe a good time for the world.
0: Well, how have the, your concerts gone?
1: Uh, very well, I would say, in all humbleness, of course. I think it was a true joy to do for us and the people where I met several crying and people with tears in the eyes. They were just so happy, not only about moved by beautiful music, but also just really encouraging the initiative and just being happy that there are people who stand up and do something uh, for them. Mm-hmm. This has been a very... Um, pleasing experience and uh, as it looks now we might uh, pick uh, pick that up again i got back to my kind of normal agenda being i've been busy the last couple of months playing a lot of concerts uh, mostly in switzerland some in netherlands but now again it's in the second wave everything is uh, is down and the whole event industry is off so we might start doing things like that again
0: have they all been live streams or because uh, you said that you had a few public live performances with like actual audience members.
1: We we started live streams. So we did six live streams, I think. And I did seven uh, actual concerts.
0: Okay. So 13 performances total?
1: Something like that. Yeah. But that, that then we were talking about those uh, couple of months, like uh, May, June, July. Yeah.
0: Okay. And you started in May, correct? Yeah. It was just you, a harpist and a violinist, was it?
1: You're talking about Floors and Friends. The first yes. place with that was trumpet, accordion, and cello.
0: Trumpet, accordion, and cello. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Okay, so let, let's not say that the coronavirus didn't give us a gift to, <laughs> to posterity. <laughs> you know? We now have trumpet, accordion, and cello.
1: Look, I told you we have to walk new paths and use the classic <laughs> music, but package it <laughs> in a little different way, and that's what we're trying to do.
0: Now, you took the attitude of, in spite of all of this bad news that we had, that li- life as we know it is basically disrupted for a time, you had the attitude of, well, let's just make lemonade out of lemons, and uh, let's just make the pie with the ingredients we've got, and let's just do something. Mm-hmm. Now that you've done this for a little while, have there been light bulbs that have gone on, your, gone on in your head and said, you know, maybe we could do this long-term, like once things even out a little bit, this is something that I never thought of to do. But now that I've had these circumstances, now this thing or this uh, idea came to me and I'm going to use this in the future. Have there been anything of that nature?
1: Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It's been also eye-opening in many ways. The, the doors are open and I think there are a lot of possibilities in this. And there, I don't think there can be really enough people who take these kind of initiatives. And it's always appreciated uh, when one does that. And there's uh, if you have something interesting to give, there's always interested audience for mm-hmm. that. So I definitely, uh, uh, I definitely wanted to continue with that. Uh, now I'm talking about smaller scale, uh, smaller orchestrated uh, performances uh, where I would perform myself with some friends, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, also the live streaming for that matter, because um, in this way you can easily reach uh, many people all around the world of course a live stream is not an experience like going out dressing up wearing your nice new shoes and going to the performance Mm -hmm. but you it makes a performance much more accessible and uh, in that way you can of course reach people all over the world i have friends in uh, south america in mexico and in, in, in america and in asia and they were all all tuning in in these live streams and it was really really nice to to connect with them in that way and this is of course not possible uh, at all in mm. a in a real life performance so a combination between those two is definitely something that can stay also after the thing get back to normal i would say
0: well i can attest to that because my wife and i I was in Vietnam at the time, living with my wife. Ah. We watched, I don't think the entire thing, but we watched a, a good portion of it in Vietnam. And you're recording, I believe it was in Switzerland you were recording?
1: What was I playing?
0: Okay, this would have been you, and I believe there was a harpist and a cellist.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, this was in the Netherlands. Oh, in, this, okay. Uh, yeah, this was one of these live streams that we set up. Mm-hmm. Right. I think this is one that got interrupted because of the copyright. I, that's, the,
0: that's the one. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I was—I thought that that was the very first one that you had done. I didn't realize there were others before that.
1: We, we did some before, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. When did you actually start these live streams?
1: Well, the very first live stream was at the exact moment, the exact that night
0: mm.
1: when the government came up with these new measurements, these new rules that mm-hmm. no public performances would be possible. And I think this was on the thirteenth of March from this year, and we were rehearsed. We were ready. I was with some modern music ensemble, doula mm-hmm. ensemble, very nice people. And we were ready to perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would start in one hour or something, and there were a lot of tickets sold. But then we got the news that we were not allowed to do it. So we live-streamed that concert. So we were there right from the beginning.
0: Wow. I didn't realize that. So you yeah. were literally about to take the stage. Yeah. And then, And then you got word that the government had... Basically shut you down and you couldn't do the performance.
1: We gathered all the cameras and all the the, the microphones that we had. It was in the, in a beautiful concert hall in Rotterdam, Netherlands. So we had the equipment available there. But it was a stressful hour before, but we managed. Uh, we managed just fine. <laughs> yeah, I
0: can imagine <laughs> it was stressful. we
1: were already there um, dining in uh, next door to to attend the concert, but we had to send them home unfortunately. Oh. But from the couch they could join. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, out of the ashes of this volcanic eruption that we know as coronavirus, I truly believe that there's going to be a lot of seeds planted uh, mm. that five, ten years from now are going to blossom and and bear a lot of lot of fruit that ordinarily would not have been uh, planted. Uh, so that's that's my optimistic take. Uh, but it is it is very sad to see the arts. Um, Basically relegated to uh, a, a status of being non-essential, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's uh, discouraging for me personally to see so many musicians just say, well, okay, the government says I can't perform, so well, I'm just I'm not, not going to perform. I'm just going to wait until they say that I can do. I, they say that I can bring out my horn and and play something. Well, you know what? There are allowances. I think that there are places that say you can have up to 10 people in a, a place. Well, why not have a concert with 10 people there and live stream it for everybody else? You just don't know what's going to happen, what good can come, if you just have an attitude of, I'm going to get up and just work with the conditions that I'm given.
1: Continuation of the, of, of, of the arts, I think it's also a crucial thing, that mm. something remains something keeps going we bring something to to the world it's our, also our responsibility and how sad and how down and how uh, impossible things are in the world these these days um it's also our duty to bring some comfort to the people in the form of what we do called art and music and uh,
0: true debt that's an american phrase I'm, i have to teach it to you true debt can you say that
1: true i heard that true before dat. okay <laughs>
0: All right. Alright, well, if people want to find you, because uh, Floris is one of the few musicians that are performing, I think I saw Sergei doing something with an orchestra on Facebook, so that's good.
1: Yeah, correct, yeah. I'm playing now, also, uh, I've been playing yesterday in the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam with the radio orchestra, Dutch National Radio Orchestra from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. And uh, but this is basically the only thing that's really possible now, because the there are no events allowed, and uh, so we, but so the radio is a thing to reach people, and they have actually very, very, very good numbers, mm-hmm. better than every, ever ever before, because everybody's at home and uh, sure, the lovers are listening. So uh, there is a lot of uh, audience for this. So we uh, we do this uh, every week. We did now some some modern pieces, and next week I'll be playing Stravinsky Pulcinella. So we'll do that twice on. Thursday and on Sunday, we'll be on the live radio broadcast.
0: Man, I have to say, you sent a little clip of via, <laughs> via messenger, and I'm like, oh, right. my goodness. I would, I would give <laughs> my left arm to have a tone like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you only need the right arm, right? Right hand, yeah.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Thing.
1: I can tell you, once I broke my... Thank you, by the way. That's a beautiful compliment. Yes. Um, keep your arm. I um, broke my hand, my left finger or something, during football when I was younger, and then I got, how do you call this, the, the, the white thing? I'm not sure about the English word. Mm-hmm. Like the hips? Broken bone in place. How do you call this? Uh,
0: we call, I think we call it a cast.
1: A cast, correct. <laughs> so there was a cast in my whole uh, lower left ar- arm. Okay. And I, was, I had concerts planned. And I was determined to play these concerts also because I was fine. Just There was a finger broken, but I didn't even care so much about it. So they shaped that cast in such a way that I could put my trumpet <laughs> in it. And then I still played concerts. I
0: I I have to geek out a little bit on trumpet because I have to. I'm just curious as to what kind of trumpet you had and what kind of mouthpiece you had. to sound so good.
1: All right, uh, thank you. I do have many trumpets and many yes. mouthpieces. So yeah.
0: I would expect that, but what were you using when you recorded that on your iPhone?
1: When I recorded what?
0: That that little clip that you sent me.
1: I was playing on a D trumpet. Okay. Yeah. First time in my life. I have a a, a Yamaha E flat trumpet. And if you uh, adjust it a little bit with the tuning slides, then you get a D trumpet. I never really used it, but Mm -hmm. now I'm going to use it. Oh, you just kick out the slides. Yeah. And and replace them with the other ones. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I always hate it when people say, man, that box sounds really good when you play it. And I'm like, well, thanks. I've been practicing. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like it's not it's not the horn that I mean it is the horn that sounds that good, and there's t- definitely some craftsmanship that goes into it, but it kind of deflects the praise from the player
1: yeah, definitely, but it can help you to play in tune though a good instrument
0: yes, yes, and it will definitely help the tone and other things that lesser instruments cannot cannot provide
1: no, this is true. how's your playing going at the moment you you're practicing
0: you know these days I play more cornet than trumpet. I I, nice. tu- I took up the cornet a few years ago. The cornet suits my personality better, but it, mm-hmm. I, I, I just like it. I like the tone. I like that deep British brass band mouthpiece that I have that I got oh, 10 yeah. years ago with a Georgia brass band. What can I say? Nothing against the trumpet, but mm-hmm. I'm pro-cornet.
1: Oh, we all love cornet. We all do. It's a wonderful, beautiful instrument. You can sound so smooth and warm on it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's more inviting for smaller... Uh, venues Like if you're going to do a house concert, you definitely want mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. cornet rather than a trumpet.
1: Yeah, I did use that also in these small uh, orchestration things that we did with the with the Corona concerts, let's say. I, I used the cornet quite a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So I don't play as much as you. So if I were to do a 15-second clip of P- Pulcinella, it wouldn't <laughs> sound quite as sweet as you. But I think I could make it sound respectable. And I wouldn't need any D-trumpet either. I'd be a pure B-flat baby. <laughs> Yeah, I don't do any crutches like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. That's what I asked when my colleagues advised me to, to try it. I said, like, is that actually allowed? I don't know. It's-
0: I'm, I'm glad that we were able to uh, have a little bit of fun here talking shop because I know that coronavirus is nobody's favorite topic. But mm-hmm. I hope that people listening in, my hope is not to criticize the government. That's not why, that's not why I do these podcasts. My mm-hmm. hope is that people will listen to Flores' story and just find a little bit of maybe some motivation, maybe a little bit of inspiration, and say, you know what, this is this is what I was put on the earth to do, and I'm not going to sit around and wait for some politician to give to give the green light. I'm going to do this, and uh, you know, I'm I'm going to uh, do the absolute best that I can with the mm-hmm. circumstances and the conditions that I've been given. So, Flores has definitely done that as we can hear in this interview. And we can find him at florisonstveder.com. O-N-S-T-W-E-D-D-E-R. So, Floris, I expect that we're going to definitely do this again. But for now, I want to say thanks for being on the show, my friend.
1: Uh, Most welcome. Thank you very much for the invite, for the initiative. It's fantastic. And let's continue to bring uh, some joy to the the world and connect through music.
0: True that. Well, my name is James Newcomb, and you've been listening to the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. Signing off. We'll see you next time. Trumpet Dynamics is produced by Beaten Path Media, LLC. Special thanks to Mike Vax for allowing use of Serenade to a Bus Seat for the show's theme music. To stay in the loop with the growing community of trumpeters who enjoy this podcast, just type trumpetdynamics.com in your browser, and you're off to the races. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.